Have you been enjoying your journey through the book of Acts? Praise be to God. So today we will continue in Acts chapter 27. We'll be beginning at verse number 1. Acts of Yeshua's emissaries, his Shelachim. Father, we just want to give you our time as we spend time in your word. May your word accomplish all that you desire, transforming us to do and obey you in likeness that you sent your son and he showed us the way. There are many people in this world who want us to follow after what they're doing. They have their opinion, but we have God's written, sealed word before us. And it's our heart's desire to do only what is pleasing in the Father's sight. Father, we pray that the spirit of the living God that you've given to each and every one of us, that moment we became born again, born of the spirit, that from that day forward, it has been him, the Ruach, the spirit of the living God who's been leading us into all truth. Show us what is an error, anything we face, the opinions that come from the world, even men and women who stand behind pulpits. May we discern what the Ruach is truly saying and what is of man, let that be set aside and let your word bring forth the fruit in our lives. We ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Acts chapter 27. In Bible college, they encouraged us to be the last ones to turn to the portion of scripture that was being read. So it gives people ample time to find their place. You know what's amazing today? There are a lot of home fellowships. There's a lot of congregations around the world that people don't even bring their Bibles with them anymore. That's a sad, sad situation. I know there are times when I've, as a spouse, years ago I forgot my Bible, but my, my wife had hers, and that's a blessing. That's where we can share with one another. But we need to have God's word. And not only on our, our, on our coffee table as a decoration, but how often do we open up the scripture daily? Not just once a week, but daily to meditate on God's word. Are we spending time with Yeshua early in the morning or for some of us it's late at night? Are we being immersed in God's word? That's where the power lies, by God's word. For we are to be a people of the book. Let us begin in Acts chapter 27, verse 1. Once it had been decided that we should set sail for Italy, they handed Shaul, which is the apostle Paul, and some of the other prisoners over to the, an officer of the emperor's regiment, named Julius. We embarked in a ship from Amratidum, which is about to sail to the ports along the coast 
of the providence of Asia. Those of you who have maps in your Bible, go ahead and look at the back of your Bibles there. Many Bibles there will show the uh, three uh, missionary journeys that Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, went on. And it will show it in different lines, different colored lines. You know one of the, the downfalls of that is? I have a color blindness. So uh, the lines kind of blend for me at times. And so what I do many times is I will take and I'll make a copy of that particular map, but there won't be any colors on it. It'll be black and white. And that way I'm able to follow the lines a little bit easier. That's not a trick or anything like that. But if you look here on your maps, where are we but in Caesarea? And so we see here that now is a journey here. This is the final passage of a voyage that Rav Shaul takes, the Apostle Paul. And this is his trip to Rome. And this happened uh, in the common era after Messiah rose from the dead uh, in the year 59 through 60, that time period that, that he went on this venture here. And so there you go to Caesarea, and you go up, we go up towards Tyre, and we go left here, and we go towards what is present-day Turkey. And then we go a little bit over by the island of Rhodes and the island of Salmon. And then we also go to the island of Crete. We go past the area of Fair Havens. And then suddenly, it looks like we go off course, do we not? We're just, go we're just wandering out in the Great Sea, the Mediterranean Sea, at this time. And if you follow the line there, what does it lead us to? A tiny little island named Malta. And then we continue on to an area which is modern-day Sicily. We port here in Syracuse. And then we go by the very tip toe of the boot. If you notice that the, uh, the, the, uh, the country of Italy looks like a boot, and it's towards the toe. We, here we land at a place called Regulium. And then finally we go up to Pateo. And from there we go past the, four, the form of Apicus. And then the three taverns. And then finally to Rome. So now we're going to learn about this journey as we continue here. Once it had been decided that we should set sail for Italy, they handed Shaul, the Apostle Paul, and the other prisoners over to an officer of the emperor's regiment named Julius. We embarked in a ship from Aramathim, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of the province of Asia. That area was called Asia at that time, but today that's present-day Turkey. And to put out to sea, accompanied by Atastarchus. That's a familiar name, is it not? A Macedonian from Thessalonica. Wait a second, aren't there two books that the Apostle Paul Rav Shaul wrote as letters to a congregation 
First and second Thessalonians? Absolutely. Those were uh, Rav Shaul's first letters. Going forward, verse 3. The next day we landed at Zidon. Okay? In some of your, um, your uh, Bible maps, it's spelled S-I-D-O-N. But in a complete Jewish Bible, it's T-Z-I-D-O-N. Going forward here. And Julius concertly allowed Shaul to go visit his friends and receive what he needed. So here they're in the port. And he technically releases his prisoner. I'm sure there were guards that accompanied him just in case he was going to flee the scene. So he had to gather the things that he needed. These were probably uh, some of the scrolls, maybe a winter coat and other supplies. And you know, a lot of these trips when they would go and pay for the passage, you had to bring your own food at times. Otherwise, you had to pay very handsomely for any food on your journey. So going forward here, Putting to sea from there, we sailed close to the sheltered side of Cyprus. Can you find Cyprus there on your maps? You see that little island up there? It would be north and a little bit west of Zidon. And so they're, they're sailing along these islands. Why? Because the breeze, the sea breezes would be a little bit more calmer. Going forward here, we, sh we, we, we sailed close to the sheltered side of Cyprus because the winds were against us. Then across to the open sea along the coasts of Cilicia and Pamphylia. Can you find those places? Going forward, and so we reach Myra in Lycia. And there a Roman officer found an Alexandrian vessel sailing to Italy and put us aboard. So going forward here, we found an Alexandrian vessel sailing to Italy and put us aboard. For a number of days, we made little headway. The winds are against them. And we arrived off Sidinus with only with difficulty. The wind would not let us continue any further along the direct route. So we ran down along the sheltered side of Crete. Can you find the island of Crete? And from there, the Cape of Salome. And continuing to struggle on hugging the coast, we reached the place called what? Pleasant Harbor. Or it's called Fair Havens in some uh, Bible maps near the town of Lassie. Since much time had been lost and continuing the voyage was risky because it was already past Yom Kippur. Shaul advised them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be a catastrophe. Not only with huge loss to the cargo and the ship, but with loss of lives as well. However, the officer paid more attention to the pilot and the ship's owner then to what Shaul said. 
Moreover, since the harbor was not well suited for sitting out the winter, the majority reached the decision to sail on from there in hope of reaching Phoenix. Another harbor in Crete. Can you find Crete? And so he's giving them sound advice, but they're not listening. The commander says, no, I, 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 will, I will listen to the opinion of the, he who pilots this ship, who's probably had a lot more experience sailing the Mediterranean Sea than Rav Shaul did. But one thing that they don't realize, Rav Shaul has access to someone who knows all things. And he listens and he obeys. And he does not hold his tongue back from encouraging others to hear what the Lord is impressing upon his heart and mind. But let us continue. Verse 13. With a gentle southerly breeze began to blow. They thought that they had their goal within their grasp. So they raised anchor and they started coasting by Crete close to the shore. But before long there struck us from the land a full gale of the northeast, the kind that they call E-V-R-K-L-O-I-N, Ivrakilon. The ship was caught up, unable to face the wind, so we gave way to it and we're driven along. That's kind of like a type and a picture of people who are driven by winds and opinions of others. Let's continue here. As we passed into the lee of the small island called Kuda, we managed with strenuous effort to get control of the lifeboat. They hosted it aboard, and they fastened cables tightly around the ship itself to reinforce it, fearing that it might run aground on the Cyrus sandbars. They lowered the top sails and thus continued drifting. But because we were fighting such heavy weather, the next day they began to jettison the non-essentials. Think about that. They can see the predicament that they're in. They did not listen to the word of the Lord. And the third day, they threw the ship's sailing equipment overboard with their own hands. And who is doing this? The experienced sailors. This is not the prisoners doing a revolt here. But these are seasoned men. Seasoned sailors who have probably spent most of their lives on this Mediterranean Sea. They knew what to do when they were faced with obstacles. Verse 20, For many days neither the sun nor the stars appeared, while the storm continued to raise until gradually all hope of survival had vanished. What is a captain or the pilot of the ship to do? He's to keep everyone calm, is he not? Based on his knowledgeable opinions, his expertise. But what does the scripture reveal? 
until all hope of survival had vanished. It was then that they had gone a long time without eating. What happens when you haven't eaten for many days? That's right, you get delirious. Your thoughts and your decision-making is not sound. Continuing. It was then that we had gone a long time without eating that Shaul stood up in front of them and said, you should have listened to me and not set out from Crete. If you had, you would have escaped this disastrous loss. Do you think he's got their full attention? Absolutely. But now my advice to you is to take heart because not one of you will lose his life. Think about that. What we're facing now in our own personal situations or in our own country that we currently live, we're facing difficulties. But what is to be manifested when we're facing difficulties? Believers whose hope is the Lord, who are continually walking in his presence, listening to what the Ruach, what the Spirit is saying, and that is a daily decision-making process that we should be going on. We have gone recently through a great pandemic, have we not? And it's not completely over. But in the midst of that, we were all tested. Were we willing to obey the Lord in everything that we did? And was not those who live around us watching and observing? Did we put our hope and trust in the Lord to deliver us? Our God is always faithful. Continuing here. But now, verse 22, but now my advice to you is to take heart because not one of you will lose his life. Now, is this something that he's now in a point of being delirious? Because he hasn't eaten for many days either, and he's probably pitching in, helping toss things over the, uh, the edge of the, the ship there. But no, he's speaking soundly because he's been in communication with the Lord who sent him on this journey and promised him that one day that he would stand and speak before the emperor of Rome. Verse 22, but now my advice to you is to take heart because not one of you will lose his life. Only the ship will be lost. Now think about this. Is there any land in sight? Absolutely not. What is the probability of these people surviving all and none being lost in the midst of the storm. They have been without food for many days. Continuing here. Verse 23. For this very night, 
there stood next to me an angel of God. Brother Tim shared about the angel of the Lord during our portion, Torah portion. How the angel of the Lord comes and speaks to his holy ones and gives him the Father's opinion, gives him the Father's provision. They who are filled with the Spirit of the living God. So verse 23, For this very night there stood next to me an angel of God to whom I belong and I serve. Is that Michael? Is that Michael? Absolutely not. Is it Gabriel? No. It's the angel of the Lord. It's the Lord himself. Remember the time when Yeshua sent his Talmudim on the Sea of Galilee ahead of him and said, I'd join you later. And there came a storm that it rose up, was it not? Kepha, Peter, and John, Yaakov, and all the others, they were experienced fishermen. They knew the Sea of Galilee like the back of their hand. But what took place? A mighty raging storm. And as the lightning flashed, they saw an image in the distance coming towards them. And they were terrified. But the Lord cried out to them. And Cephas spoke back to the Lord and says, Lord, if that be you, then bid me to come. And what did Cephas do? He stepped out and he didn't sink. He walked towards the Lord. But after looking at what? Hearing the wind and the waves, what, what took place? He began to sink. And the Lord grabbed him by the hand. And both of them went back into the boat together. Think about the times when Rav Shaul had the opportunity to receive from Kepha and Yohanan John and Yaakov, John's brother, and the others that were still alive. And he said, yes and amen, these things happened. So now who appears to Rav Shaul? In the midst of the storm, when they haven't eaten for many, many days, and the ship is adrift, they've thrown all their sails away. But the Lord himself. Verse 23 again. For this very night there stood next to me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve. Do we belong to the Lord? Are we currently serving him? Verse 24. He said, don't be afraid, Shaul. You have to stand before the emperor. Look, God has granted you all, those who are sailing with you. So the men take heart, for I trust God and I believe that what I have been told will come true. As we've been going through this pandemic together, do we belong to the Lord? Are we walking in obedience to his word? Are we going to walk in his provision so that others can see the hope that dwells within us? 
This is a bridge that we build to those who do not know Messiah. Undeniable. When men's hearts are panicking and their hearts are failing in the near future, will we walk in the obedience? Will people be able to recognize that we belong to the Lord? So men take heart, for I trust God and believe what I've been told will come true. Nevertheless, we have to run aground on some island. And it was the 14th night, and we were still being driven about in the Adriatic Sea. Can you imagine the people on the ship that were beginning to doubt? Continuing. When, all, when around midnight the sailors sensed that we were nearing land, so they dropped a plumb line and found the water 120 feet deep. A little further on, they took another sounding and found it 90 feet. Fearing we might run on the rocks, they let out four anchors and, from the stern, and they prayed for daylight to come. At this point, the crew made an attempt to abandon ship. They lowered the lifeboat into the sea, pretending that they were about to let some anchors from the bow. Shaul said to the officers and soldiers, unless these men remain aboard ship, you yourselves cannot be saved. See, God is speaking to him. He's making them very, very observant to what's going on around him. He knows God's plan. And he knows he must speak out to those who are in authority. Verse 32, then the soldiers cut the ropes holding the lifeboat to let it go. Just before daybreak, Shaul urged them all to eat, saying, Today is the fourteenth day, and you have been in suspense, going hungry and eating nothing. How many of us have been encouraged to go on to a fast for more than three to four days? Some of us have experienced fasting up to 40 days. It's amazing how all of a sudden, that food becomes the most important thing in your life, does it not? But in the midst of that, God gives you strength to fulfill his ordained fast for you. Continuing here. Therefore, I advise you to take some food. You need it for your own survival. For not one of you will lose so much as a hair from his head. Wow. God's provision is even far greater. When he had said this, he took bread and he did what? He made the bracha to God, the blessing. Blessed art you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who's brought forth what? Bread from the earth. He did that before everyone that was there. He said the rock to God in front of everyone. He broke it and he began to eat. With courage restored, they all ate some food themselves, although there were 276 of us on board the ship. 
And who is the scribe here? But Luke himself. Continuing. After they had eaten all they wanted, they lightened the ship by dumping the grain into the sea. When day broke, they recognized the land, but they noticed a bay with a sand beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Notice here before that if Rav Shaul wouldn't have spoke up, most likely those soldiers would have put all those prisoners to death because if anyone would escape, that those soldiers' lives would be held accountable. They would have to die in their place. So going forward here in verse 40, so they cut away the anchors and left them in the sea. At the same time, they loosened the ropes that held the rudders out of the, held the, rudders out of the water. What does the rudders do? That help does what? It stirs the ship. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and headed for the beach. But they encountered a place where two currents met and ran the vessel aground on the sandbar there. The bow stroke and struck and would not move, while the pounding of the surf began to break up the stern. At this point, the soldiers sought was to kill the prisoners so that none of them would swim off and escape. But the officer wanting to save Shaul kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to throw themselves overboard first and head for shore and the rest to use planks or whatever they could find from the ship. And thus it was that everyone reached land safely. God's word was fulfilled. This is quite an adventure that Rav Shaul had went on. Going a little deeper here, this account of Shaul's trip to Rome is considered one of the finest ancient descriptions of the sea voyage. And right now we'll end the message. Shabbat Shalom.